It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. It is a brand new edition of the Page Turner as we celebrate our love of books and Sharjah as the World Book Capital. We're welcoming into the studio today Emirati poet, entrepreneur, and martial artist Wa'il Asair with his selection of the four books that have changed his life. And what a wide-ranging selection it is. We're going to be talking the true meaning of wealth, fighting back and conquering your deepest fears, polygamy in modern-day Nigeria, and, of course, a must-have poetry anthology. But first, for a discussion that's all about a love of stories and rhymes, it makes perfect sense to begin with a bit of Omar Offendum. Here he is with Finjan. Genesis. والخوف بعينيها تتأمل فنجان المقلوب قالت يا ولدي لا تحزن فالحب عليك هو المكتوب Seen a coffee cup resembling your coffee cup. I've never seen sorrows like the sorrows emanating from this demi's house. Your destinies to walk on dagger tips of love so many times. The solitude of seashells and the weeping willow. We will see you sucking currents of an oceanic love of females. The details you love and lose a million times only to return like a dethroned king, lascivious and lonely. Same, but it tastes with the same limitations. Faint record. 
recollections of her face in a lace and the bars of the jail with a range visitation Man, I hate being patient, rather be the doctor Diagnose a higher dose of myocopanacha General hospital scrubbing soap or rob for your local boss To connect the dot, hope for God to finish Love is free, why the fortune teller charge me a fee just to say that? I'm free to love, but nobody's willing to reciprocate, I guess it's payback. تحب ملايين المرات وترجع كالملك المخلوع. It's the page turner. The page turner on Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Wa'il Asayir is my special guest today. He is an Emirati poet, entrepreneur, and martial artist. Wa'il, welcome to Life Beats. Thank you so much. It is the absolute pleasure and honor to be here, Sally. The pleasure is all ours, of course. But um, Wa'il, um, you are somebody who kind of uh, encapsulates so much. You're so multifaceted. Um, uh, your story is amazing, and we're going to delve into that with your four books that you've chosen that have had the greatest impact on your life. And, and this is one of the reasons why I love this segment so much, uh, because you never know what you're going to find. But I think you need to start by telling us a little bit of, about yourself. Um, well, it's difficult to, to find a place to start, I suppose, but uh, the beginning is always a good, uh, a good place. Uh, so uh, my name is Wa'il, I'm uh, uh, an Emirati. Um, uh, as you mentioned, I, uh, I own a small business, uh, a martial arts academy that I'm very passionate about. Uh, words are very important to me. Uh, the power of a voice is very important. Um, I'm uh, generally a person that uh, has spent a lot of time discovering uh, who I am not. And in the process, I've come a little closer to who I actually am. And I've found uh, throughout my life, uh, I'm, uh, I've been here 45 years so far uh, and throughout that time I've, I've realized that um, the, the most amount of suffering that I have had to endure as a human being uh, largely came from being in places or situations that did not reflect who I naturally was. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't make up the rules, but uh, that's apparently the very best way of finding out where you're supposed to be. Uh, and I've just followed that thread as the, um, the American poet uh, William Stafford mentioned in one of his poems, when you follow your thread uh, towards your uh, unique pattern, you tend to go from places that you don't belong to places where you do belong. And even if those places are just for a second, just for a moment, they feel like home and they can take all, all the suffering that you uh, went through and give it a, a spin and a meaning. So that thread has, has given me the, the pleasure to be here with you in Sharjah uh, on this wonderful radio station. And uh, I've trusted that thread to get me through some very dark places and uh, it feels pretty light in the studio. <laughs> and uh, it's just an honor mm. for me to be here. Well, this is extraordinary. I think there's a lot for us to uncover here. So let's start. Um, it, the selection of books that you've chosen today is incredibly wide ranging. 
And your first one that you're going to start off with is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Now, this is, a, of course, a classic from 23 years ago about how to build wealth, how to become independently wealthy. But I have a feeling that you're, you didn't come to this book in the same way that other people did. So what's the story behind this? I think with... Um because when I made the selections, I think it's really important for uh, for our wonderful listeners to, uh, uh, to to understand. When I made the selection of these books, it was not the most enjoyable books. The books that I've selected are not uh, amazing pieces of literature. What they are, are the most impactful books that I have come across. By that I mean, the minute I turn, opened the page, my world changed. Whether it was during reading that book or after I had read it. I, I was I was almost mythically taken to different places because of the contents of those books. Now those those are things are not uh, I didn't intend that for that to happen. I approached Rich Dad Poor Dad pretty much like everybody else did. Uh, I was working in a bank at the time. I think I was in my young twenties, and I was working in a bank uh, at the time. Uh, and I just wanted to know a little more about money. But what I ended up discovering through that book. Um, wasn't really the money outside my life, but the resources that are inside my life. Um, so one of the book, one of the effects of that particular book, was that it actually set me free, in the sense that Robert explained that there were is a quadrant. If anybody's read the book, they'll understand it. There's four quadrants. You have your employee, your specialist, uh, then you have your business owner, and then you have your investor. And he was explaining how these four different groups of people think differently, they manage themselves differently. But the only thing I got out of those four quadrants was the realization that, oh, you mean being an employee isn't my destined plan. There's actually another option apart from being an employee. And the answer was yes, there's people that are self-employed or specialists in different fields and the people that own businesses. So. In a way, although the book on the surface level is about creating passive income, and that's a very healthy thing economically, but for me, I might have entered into that book like everybody else, but I left it with this urge to discover, or in all honesty, to escape uh, the painful reality, for me at least, uh, of, 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 of being in a job uh, that really was not doing me, was not doing my soul justice. Now that's very interesting for me because the book is all about money and it's all about, uh, uh, like I said, passive income. And you're working in a bank. It's all about money. Absolutely. But my soul suffered. Mm. Uh, and that book helped me understand why. I was just a person tr placed in the wrong quadrant, to use Robert Kiyosaki's terminology. Uh, and, and my soul wasn't happy. Now back then, obviously, I had, I had no idea how to articulate any of this. All I knew was waking up every single morning to go to a job that everybody found envious. Uh, everybody wanted that job. Well, for me to wake up every single morning with dread uh, uh, was not a healthy thing I you could You knew sustain. something was wrong. I couldn't articulate. I could feel it was wrong, but I had no words. And that can be a really lonely place. especially that's a when lot of people. You'd be surprised. You know, that's a lot of people before they kind of, you know, have the courage. Because sometimes you're, you're in a place where... This is what's where society expects you to be in terms of success, in terms of what that looks like. But actually, it can feel so wrong for you inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't need to be that way. 
It really doesn't. What it, did you discover about where you actually needed to be from reading this book? To be honest, I just knew the only thing I got out of that book, in all honesty, and I'm not going to romanticize it at all because I don't come from that kind of place. The, only, the most important thing I got from that book was get out, Wa'id. Where you are, you need to get out. How you get out, where you get out to is irrelevant. You just need to leave. Okay. And uh, I took any boat that I could get and a particular boat made itself available and I jumped on it. I had no idea where that boat was going. All I knew, in all honesty, Sally, was I can't be here. So anywhere, absolutely anywhere. If a circus was recruiting, I would have jumped on that boat. <laughs> so where did you actually end up going from there? I actually ended up going uh, into a partnership with a friend of mine who was lecturing to uh, largely expatriate uh, groups of people who are new to the region uh, and just explaining some of the cultural realities that people from outside the Arab world need to consider when working with the Arab world. Uh, so uh, the person said, you can speak quite well. Uh, would, you man- would you fancy taking a, a job where you just explain some cultural realities to people from outside? And I said, yeah, I, I, I can do that. Mind you, I was recently married at the time. I didn't have kids. Uh, so my financial obligations were not as heavy. Uh, so again, it was really a question of if you don't do it now, it'll never happen. Mm. It's now or never. Absolutely. We're going to come back in just a moment uh, with you uh, and, uh, the, with the book that I think um, really had an incredible impact on you. And as I was taking a look at this, I was quite astonished by the story behind it. We're going to be talking betrayal. We're going to be talking martial arts. And we're going to be talking facing your greatest fears next. Pulse 95. It's the page turner. The page turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Jeff Thompson is a BAFTA-winning writer, filmmaker, teacher, and self-defense instructor. And he's written several books on self-help, self-defense, and martial arts, and has written many screenplays for short and feature films. Well, you've chosen his book, Watch My Back, as one of the books that have changed your life. Talk to us about why. Wow. Um, Watch My Back is, I think, one of the first books uh, Jeff uh, published. And it's his story of how he elevated himself from factory floor sweeper in Coventry. uh, And a shout out to all the northerners uh, 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 in the country. Uh, Anybody from Coventry should be proud to have Jeff Thompson as uh, as somebody that came out of uh, their city. So Jeff uh, elevated himself from uh, a factory floor sweeping reality where that was the best he was told he would ever get. He came from a society that said, you should be grateful. You should be grateful, son, to have a job. Don't think above your head or your fantasies about being a writer. That's not for people like us. That's for other folk, not us. And for Jeff to break out of that reality and go towards more of who he was uh, as a writer, um, and obviously his uh, connection with martial arts is something that helped him conquer that and, and combat that, that struggle and that reality. So martial arts for Jeff was a, was a vehicle. Having said that, it was a painfully realistic one. Uh, and Jeff uh, spent a lot of years uh, studying traditional karate 
uh, and then decided to confront his biggest fear of uh, physical combat on the streets by taking up a job as a bouncer in one of the roughest clubs known to Coventry. Now, if anybody knows anything about Coventry, and anything about Coventry in the 80s in particular, will know exactly what I mean. So there is a difference between, with all due respect to traditional martial arts uh, uh, establishments, but there's a really big difference between bowing in and out of a dojo and respecting your sensei and respecting your partner to a Saturday night, realistic, everything going mad and chaotic, reality of facing a, a drugged up monster that has nothing but one aim, and that is to annihilate whoever's in front of him. That reality is where your skill as a martial artist is tested. If you can't, Jeff says, if you can't handle something kicking off outside a chippy on a Saturday night, then you've got no business teaching it. Now, a lot of the listeners will have no idea what a chippy is, possibly, or what ha- what it has to Explain do with a Saturday night. I don't even know what a chippy well, is. Well, okay, it's a traditional fish and chip shop in, okay. in, in the UK. And on a Saturday night, obviously, people go out. Uh, they go out to uh, 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 night establishments where they consume uh, uh, certain substances that mm. gets them all riled up. Uh, and very often things kick off while we while I say kick off a fight or a um, a disagreement may occur and you, all of a sudden you are now in, in in the pavement the arena of the pavement pretty There's standard absolutely yeah for some people for <laughs> sure it's a it's a daily job for a bouncer and we often look at bouncers as inhuman if you might notice we just we just look at them as as, as a person who is just not human but we don't understand that each bouncer each security guard in that situation could save your life. That's a, a father. That's somebody's husband. And Jeff had to go through a massive, um, massive confrontation. This was a person that was afraid to even speak, let alone confront anyone physically. So for him to take a job as a bouncer in the roughest, one of the roughest clubs uh, uh, in uh, Coventry, is a daily, uh, a, a daily transformation of self. When you were taught, you need to get that person out of that club now. And for some reason, everybody thought Jeff was very, very weak because he, look, he looks like a writer, to be honest. He doesn't look like a bouncer. Uh, so he was very easily uh, belittled by these monsters that obviously don't want to leave. Uh, so for him to confront that was a very big deal. And I, I became very intrigued with Jeff's story because he, he changed his reality from floor sweeper through the martial arts to writer. And I'd always been, I'd always been uh, uh, intrigued by the power of words. Uh, but I, again, I'm, I'm an Emirati. I should work in an establishment. Writing about certain things is not for people like us, it's for other people. So uh, I could really relate to his story. Uh, and I jumped on a plane with very little money at the time and I went to go meet him. And uh, I was very fortunate enough to be taken as a student of his, and I studied under him for uh, a good a good three to five years. Mm. Um, and it was just going to the UK and back. As soon as I had a little money, I'd go uh, and, and stay in really cheap hotels. Uh, uh, all respect to the travel lodge uh, out uh, 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 in the UK, uh, particularly the, the Coventry one, especially on a Saturday <laughs> night. Um, but yeah, I, I was very, very humbled to be a student of his, and 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 Jeff is 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 a is a reality. It's it's facing the ugly reality of life. 
and his he has TED talks, he has wonderful short films. Just a little bit of a warning for the for the wonderful listeners. Jeff's content is very strong, so it, it's not it's not fluffed up. Uh, it's it's is genuinely very very strong and very very raw. I would say. I think um, we do have to mention like where all of that started because he started out in martial arts very young. Yes. And then at the age of 11, he was actually sexually assaulted by his instructor, which he idolized. Yes. And this is where it all started for him. Yes, absolutely. I think Jeff says he went to bed that night, an 11-year-old kid, and he woke up a 60-year-old man. It is just, it, it is unbelievable to think about what that can do to a person. But when you hear Jeff speak about that experience in, in his 50s now. Yes. Uh, he started something called the Forgiveness Project. Yes. Um, as a result of having to deal with this for his entire life. Um, you know, he talks about the way that that particular incident, you know, he looked young for 11 as yes. well. And yes. he was... He was blamed for that incident. You know, how he would be asked things like, oh, did you lead him on? Yes. Uh, you know, and that, that stayed with him. And, and that's what he wanted to get rid of when he started becoming yeah. a bouncer. And, you know, he roughed himself up. Like you said, he, he has a baby face. Yes, yeah. he, he does. But I think after that incident, he, he just went on this, uh, what he refers to as a, a journey into Dante's Inferno mm. uh, at the lower circles of hell. And for him to come out of that, uh, he became the monster to defend himself against that ever happening again. Jeff became that monster. He became the monster that would just scare people just by being in the room. And this is not a fake kind of scare. This is genuine. You are should be scared for your for your life. Uh, but then he quickly understood that he had to forgive. And if he didn't forgive, then that person would be ruling his life for the rest of for the rest of his it's life. A, it's amazing to hear him talk about it because he would even say he couldn't trust anybody after that no. because he had such great trust in that man. And, and after that, he couldn't trust his wife, his parents, nobody. If his, if his wife left the room, he he would just, you know, in, be in a panic. Yeah, and you, you, you're not brave then. You are just more scared. You can fill up, and he did, you can fill up your room with weapons, everywhere from the toilet to the living room just to make sure nobody comes and gets you but you are living in fear and that is not a way to live you think you're strong but you're not they're still pulling strings that person is still controlling your life and until you forgive until you let them go vengeance is mine says the lord romans 12:20, and uh jeff made a short film called romans 12:20, based on uh, he, he changed the characters a little bit, but the story is there. It's based on somebody going through that traumatic experience. And again, a warning for the, the listeners, it is quite strong in certain scenes. But he gave, he forgave, he forgave. And only when he did that, only when he did that, could he move on with his life. And we're talking 20, 30 years. Yeah, he confronted the man. Yes, he, he did. He saw face him to again. Fa face to face, he confronted and the he man. And he says, he said, I was 11 again yeah. when he saw him. Yes, but then he just, he actually said, I have to go up to him. And, and he said to him, this is what you did to me. Yes. And, and he went to get up and he said, no, sit down. Yeah. And then he, he said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And it's like, and this is one of the, the, the most important things about forgiveness. It's like, 
if you forgive someone, you know, are you letting them off the hook or are you allowing yourself to heal? Absolutely, you are definitely. See, a lot of people think forgiveness is weak. Forgiveness, genuine forgiveness. I'm not talking about the surface level. Again, I go back to the reality of the difference between a dojo and a pavement reality. You can't fake that. When you genuinely forgive, you are not forgiving that person. You are forgiving yourself for being enslaved by what happened many years ago. You are a grown man now. You are a father, you are a mother, but you are still holding on to something that happened to you for all the wrong reasons. When you were six or seven, and yes, it was wrong, yes, it was bad, but you're still holding on to that. And until you genuinely, genuinely let go, not for them, but for yourself. Oh, extraordinary, unbelievable, amazing. This is totally, totally amazing. We could go on about this particular book, but to coming up, we are going to be talking uh, a lot more on a completely different level now. Uh, talking on woman's worth uh, with the Nigerian author Lola Shanayan. This is going to be uh, fascinating. That's coming up next here on Life Beats. This is Pulse 95. It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Before we uh, jump into Lola's book, The Secret Lives of Baba Segi's Wives. Uh, we, we need to kind of talk a little bit more about uh, Jeff Thompson uh, and, and because, as you said, you trained with him. But there was so much that you actually learned from this man. Uh, tell us about some of the, the biggest things that you learned from him. I think the biggest thing I learned from Jeff is to, to, to see myself for, for who I am and to confront my, my, my deepest fear and to forgive. Um, Jeff, if Jeff could forgive somebody that abused him as a child, in such a in such a direct way then what what do i need to confront jeff was a person who confronted his deepest 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 fears face on uh, with with all the fear uh, and hesitancy that that would carry so it had me thinking in the same way if i was if i was that brave what darkness would i confront first of all acknowledging that i have darkness is is a big thing because we all mm-hmm. tend to, to 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 brush that aside and to belittle it um, but I think if, if I could sum up what I learned from Jeff in, 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 in one word, I, I think it would just be courage uh, and, uh, and, and forgiveness, um, genuine forgiveness for oneself. Um, Jeff had me as a student read uh, holy scriptures from the Hindu uh, culture. Uh, lift the self by the self, never, left, never let the self droop down. The self is the self's only friend. The self is the self's only enemy. That's the, back, the Bhagavad Gita. So if you can understand, I'm going to learn martial arts about how to handle myself in a real, in a real street confrontation. And Jeff says, what you need to do, son, is read some Hindu holy scriptures. Uh, and just to link the humanity of all of it. Because at the end of the day, especially when you, when, when, when you look at violence, uh, physical violence, we all bleed. Sometimes things need to break and bleed for us to remember that we're pretty much the same. And until they break and until you see somebody else's blood and recognize that's pretty much the same as my blood if I had to seep, then there's a humanity. And to discover your humanity in a world where 
we're technologically all uh, uh, shifted from one place to the other, we can forget. And sometimes life has to break us uh, open for us to, to be reminded about what's, what's inside. So Jeff genuinely helped me see what's inside. And from then I went on to meet uh, uh, my current martial arts instructor, Sifu Mike Gregory, uh, who's also from the North. So I think I have a very mythical connection with the North. Jeff opened up so many doors. The minute I, I, I understood that my fear is my guide uh, and not my enemy, the minute I became open-minded to learn from different sources, whether it's Hindu, whether it's Jewish, whether it's anything from West Africa. He had read the Quran, you tell yes, me. Yes, Jeff Thompson 100% has read the Quran from cover to cover. Uh, and he's read, I think, many of the Holy Scriptures. And again, this is coming from a bouncer. If you want to judge him by society, this is a bouncer that is, that is educated enough to, to, to expand his reality. And uh, I, I owe a tremendous amount to Jeff. An astonishing story. Uh, but we're going to move on to the next book. This is by uh, Lola Shanayan, who, in fact, was in Sharjah just uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, for the book talk series at um, Arawi Cultural Cafe, um, talking about her book, The Secret Lives of Baba Segi's Wives. And none other than Wa'il Sayyid was the moderator of that session. I had the absolute <laughs> honor, the absolute honor of moderating that session in Sharjah. Mm. And I think that is the book that genuinely connected me to where I am today. So I, have a, I, I must say a big thank you to Sheikh Abdur al-Qasmi for her involvement and her invitation in uh, taking up a challenge like that. And when I read the book and I was told I was going to moderate, it was definitely, if anybody does want to read the book, I highly recommend it. Uh, but when you do read the book, you will understand how much of a challenge that would have been for anyone to moderate uh, that discussion. And I'm so, I, I practice what Jeff told me. When I read that book and they said, would you want to moderate that? I was afraid. I think I'm saying that for the first time uh, uh, to the public. I was genuinely afraid f for my own reasons. Uh, but I, I followed the teachings that but why? I, I had. Talk to us about the book, what okay. it's about and why you were afraid. Absolutely. So the book has a very strong polygamous. It's, it's, it's the, it's a, the polygamy is the backdrop. The book doesn't argue for or against it. Uh, but it is, uh, I don't want to spoil the story so much, uh, but it is a story of a man, uh, uh, the patriarchal uh, uh, um, model of a man uh, that rules his, his way and he has four wives, I think seven children. And uh, he has a problem with the latest wife not bearing him a child. And that's the backdrop of the story. And his desire to get one more child is what unravels the whole the whole story and each wife has a different story to tell and uh, it's just a wonderful wonderful uh, uh, experience um, and it's that book that connected me uh, to Sharjah in a very this book came to my house I didn't pick this up from a from a bookshop this is the book that came to me uh, and, and that automatically takes my attention uh, and I sat that intimately sat down with every single page every single page um, and it opened up so many discussions, particularly about the relationship a man has with his wife. Uh, when to be gentle, when, when, when to be loving, and the difference between that and being harsh when, when, and hurtful. Uh, and, and those were discussions that the book very clearly 
displays. So the reader of this book, I don't want to spoil it because it's wonderful, but you definitely get into the intimate lives between a man, a married man and a married woman and how that can be abusive and how on the flip side of that, that can be liberating. And uh, th that's a really big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Uh, and I would want my children, and I said this uh, and the monitoring said, when, when my children are old enough, Salim is 10, uh, my twin girls, Nasr and Yumna, are eight. Uh, so they're a bit young for that particular content. But when they're ready, I want them to read that book. And I want to discuss specific scenes. Because one day, with the will of God, they will marry. They will be with someone. We all came out of that experience. We wouldn't be alive otherwise. So to, to understand that uh, uh, that can be gentle, that can be kind, that can be generous. You can express yourself in that. But the flip side of that, the dark side of that, is that it can be a tool to destroy. It can be a dark, hurtful, egotistical expression as well. And unless we are educated, Sally, unless we're educated to understand that that is an expression, it is an expression. So what you choose to express there is important. Lola is a, a Nigerian writer. You know, she writes poetry as well as prose. Uh, but what, what's interesting about this is um, this is actually very universal. Did you feel that? Did you feel that even though it might have been very specific to Nigerian culture, actually there are so many commonalities across cultures here in this story? Absolutely. I think anything that is expressed from the soul is automatically universal. When Lola wrote that book, and when I read it, my soul was reading that, but it, was, it, it went neck deep. I always say a lot of things stick neck high, but things that go neck down go into your heart. Now, now you're into the realms of soul. Mm. And when you speak from the soul, like you do, Sally, when you're on this radio station, when I hear you, I, I just feel this is not an intellectual, simply an intellectual exercise. There is depth here. And I thank you for that. Um, and I think all of Sharjah will thank you and should thank you for that. But when you speak from your soul, you automatically connect to the soul of the world. And that's what made it universal for me. That's what made it, it, it was no longer a Nigerian story. I'm just, I'm fascinated by the, the idea that um, you're already thinking about your kids here, you know, and, and connecting them to, to that because these are taboo subjects. Yes. These are subjects that we do not talk about in the Arab world, uh, you know, even in subcontinental cultures, African cultures, before you actually enter into a marriage. Yeah. You're not told anything about what you're going to be experiencing, facing, what that will do to you on a physical, a spiritual level, a mental level. There is so much that we don't talk about. That is true. And it's largely based on fear because it's the unknown as well. But we're at a stage in human development where we are connected, where a story from Nigeria can teach me about the culture realities of my own existence in the Arab world. And there's so, there's so much to talk about from the things that we don't. Yeah. But that takes courage. Um, and it takes a willingness to break out of the herd uh, and, uh, and pioneer. Pioneer oneself before you pioneer anything else. And... And I think just living our own lives, genuinely our authentic lives, is a full-time job by itself. 
But if we're brave enough to do it and we express something from it, we automatically connect to many other people. So in a way, you're working on yourself, but, but really, you're actually working on the world. It's something that we, we talk about a lot on the show, but it really all starts with us. You cannot have a relationship with anyone else until you understand who you are on you know every level particularly a spiritual soul level yes that, and we don't we don't even question that we don't even start the conversation we're too afraid of starting those conversations and this is as a parent as a spouse this is where it all you and i were having this conversation before we came on that Ab- this is where it all starts absolutely absolutely as a human being and i've got lots of poems from lots of different people from around the world that speak specifically about that. Speaking of poems, coming up, we are going to talk really this incredible poetry anthology. That is next here on Life Beats. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's the page turner. The page turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. With me in the studio today is Wa'al Asayr. He is an Emirati poet and entrepreneur, martial artist as well. But um, we couldn't have a whole segment that is uh, about books without mentioning poetry, Wa'al. And this is something that is straight from your heart. And I think before we delve into this incredible poetry anthology, we're, we're talking here Robert Bly, James Hillman, Michael Mead, uh, Emily Dickinson, Langston Hughes, amongst many others who are featured in this, the rag and bone shop of the heart. I want to ask you about where your love of poetry came from. How did you discover poetry and, and have that love for it? In the most unusual manner is uh, a short answer. I actually, um, obviously I had heard about poetry and, and the power of, of, of poets, but um, until I saw a popular Arabic TV uh, Ramadan series on the life of uh, the famous uh, uh, Syrian uh, poet Nizar Qabbani, uh, that that's when it first started. And I had heard about Nizar, and I'm very fortunate to have uh, a mum and a dad that were always fans of books. My father more on the scientific side, being a medical doctor, and my mum more on the artistic side. So we had Nizar Qabbani's uh, uh, books, but there was no reason to, to read them. Uh, I saw the, the TV series and was very intrigued by this, 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 this creature that could express so beautifully in words for the very first time in Arabic that, that I could understand, words that penetrated my own heart how he viewed women, how he viewed Syria, uh, uh, its, its history, and so on and so forth. So I was very fortunate also to be invited to a Syrian wedding. And it was in Ma'lula. So uh, a big, uh, a big uh, shout out to all the beautiful Syrian souls that bless, that bless this earth. I had the pleasure of going to Ma'lula, which is a, a city uh, that is predominantly Christian. Uh, and many of the listeners will, will automatically find that to be quite quite interesting because the Arab world is predominantly Muslim. And when I was in Ma'lula, I must say, I could not tell the difference between a Muslim elderly lady and a Christian elderly lady at all. They both wore, wore a veil and uh, they were very exactly the same. So this is what, what happens across the Arab world, you know, in places like Palestine, yes. Iraq, you know, they live side by side. Absolutely. It's the norm. It is absolutely the yeah. norm. 
uh, not the exception. So when I was in Ma'lula, a lot of my Syrian hosts were like, oh, is there anything that you want to do in Syria? And I said the weirdest thing to them. And because when I said it, like, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, yes, I would like to visit the grave of Nizar Qabban. And they were like, we get a lot of requests, but going to graves is not one of them. <laughs> but uh, it's in Damascus. We have no idea where it is, but we'll ask. And I was very, very fortunate too. It was a long story, but long story short, we managed to find it in Damascus a few hours before I left to come back home. And uh, I sat on, on this poet's grave. I recited some verses of the Quran to say thank you in my own way. Um, and after that, I asked myself the question when I came back to Dubai on one night that I could not sleep. And I said, okay, it's a question. It always starts with a question. That's why I love questions. Questions are so much better than answers because they're an invitation to go places. And I asked myself this question, Wa'il, if you were that brave, if you were brave enough, like Nizar, to just say what's in your soul, what would come out? And that was the question. And about two weeks later, I had the contents for my first two books. Uh, and I've been following that thread uh, ever since. So my poetry came from a grave. That's where my poetry comes from. What did you write down? Well, to be honest, I just wrote down whatever came. It, 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 there was no thinking involved, just write. Forget what's in your head, just write, write, write. Start with any word, pineapple, anything, and just link it up with something else. And then it trickles, it trickles, it trickles, and the next thing you know, you're saying things and you have no idea where it's coming from. It's coming through you, not necessarily from you. What was stopping you from writing before? Fear, judgment. Ha, 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 ha. Who am I to write? Nizar Qabani? You really think I would ever get to the heights of Nizar Qabani? Or any poet. But the point here, Sally, is not to do that. I can't be Nizar, but I can be Wa'il. And that's good enough. That is more than good enough. Oh, my goodness. Um, let's talk about the rag and bone shop of the heart. If all of the poetry anthologies or any poetry book, why did you choose this one? This came to me again through a, a thread. Um, I was working with a, a wonderful person called uh, Jeff, another Jeff in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this was a gift, really. Um, and uh, uh, Michael Mead has a wonderful podcast uh, called Mosaic Voices that I highly recommend. Uh, loads of stories about soul from different parts of the world. And when I read these, this wonderful book, I mean, if, if you know a poet in your life, this is your Christmas gift. This is your Eid gift yeah. and they will thank <laughs> you for it for the rest of their life because it's, it's such a rich selection of poets that speak about the soul from everywhere. West Africa, the Eskimo, English authors, uh, Rumi, and the list goes on. So um, after this book as well, I, I researched Michael Mead and heavily delved into his content as well in mythology and so on and so forth. So again, it's a book that opened up different worlds. I'd love me. so much for you to share some of your favorites from the anthology and particularly as today's discussion has been very much about the soul. I'm sure you're going to pick something that uh, is very soul-stirring. I will try my best. This is from the English poet D.H. Lawrence, and it's called Healing. And I hope you enjoy it. I am not a mechanism, an assembly of various sections. And it is not because the mechanism is working wrongly that I am ill. I am ill because of wounds to the soul, to the deep emotional self. 
and the wounds to the soul take long, take a long time. Only time can help and patience and a certain difficult repentance, long, difficult repentance, realization of life's mistakes and the freeing oneself from the endless repetition of the mistake which mankind at large has chosen to sanctify. Incredible. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I can't think of a better way to end the show than on this. Um, but did you have one more that you can share with us? Because I, I don't think I can get enough. I did. I did. I had one more, and this is coming from West Africa. Okay. Um, and I'm going to find it there. There it is. A lot of stuff from West Africa is a bit sneaky and a bit tricky, but in a pleasant way. So this is called Old Song. Okay. And I love it. I absolutely love it. So here it goes. Do not seek too much fame, but do not seek obscurity. Be proud, but do not remind the world of your deeds. Excel when you must, but do not excel the world. Many heroes are not yet born. Many have already died. To be alive, to hear this song is victory. We had to hear that song. We had to hear that absolutely beautiful word. Just such an enormous pleasure to have you. An honor. The honor is mine. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. Thank you. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.